0: There are cartoons, you can't always blame something all the time, it's always a video game, it's always music, it's always something that's responsible for why people act the way they act, rather than, their cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs.
1: A lot's happened since yesterday! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome to another exciting edition. Of a lot's happened since yesterday. My name is Ralph Busso.
2: My name is Cody Walker. My friends. In the back histories of this show, which hasn't been long. Apparently, it's somewhere between here and here. We have we have had a history. And that history goes back with friends and partners and contacts and people who just believe in what we do. And our guest today has been that man and one of those people from day one. He has been somebody we have literally been arguing with to come on our fucking show for like literally (laughs) six goddamn months. He is the artist of our goddamn logo. You see it every fucking day when we crash in your face. Boom. Perry Zambolis. What? I sound pretty impressive. I'm just gonna sit back and listen to this. No, no, I'm not done yet. Cause that was just what you did yeah, because because you're there. awesome and you're the great and you're the greatest person and you just done this because you're awesome. My friends. Thank you. He is also part of your hearts, and you don't even fucking know it, probably, which fix your goddamn life. Because when I say words like Rick and Morty. When I say words like disenchantment, Beavis and fucking ButtHead, and maniacs, I could go on. I probably will, but not right now. This man has been a part of these. They have been literally a part of our history and our childhood. Perry, how the hell are you? And thank you for coming on. Well, it's a it's a pleasure. I'm a fan of both you guys. I love what you're
0: doing with the show. It's uh, your show actually is keeping me company. Like let it run as I'm drawing, and it's uh, so you know. It's nice. I get to hear both of your voices uh, as I'm drawing Beavis and Butthead.
2: Well, then, then I then I'm just going to jump into one of the first formal questions I have on this list, which is, sure. um, why? <laughs> why do I listen to? It? I, yeah. Why? Why would you want to listen to me running my mouth like this in your ear? Now that I know, dude, I'm just going to be like, hey, buddy. Probably not a good idea them. to
0: make <laughs> your second guess myself, but you know. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> it's I love I love hearing your guests and stuff. You know, it's like a lot of the stuff I'm unfamiliar with with a lot of the artists that you're bringing up but uh you know getting to hear people's stories just it's it's really good stuff you know we all we all have stories to tell and uh we all have viewpoints and uh we all come from different backgrounds and it's like I think it's, it's number one it's important in life to do that just in general to have that in your life and you are a conduit for that for bringing right. just new stuff to me so
1: I I love it I I really do thanks man i i appreciate that you that you appreciate what we're trying to do here uh speaking of stories to tell though that helmet behind you what's <laughs> the story behind that there's, there's nothing except for the fact that it's like i opened my wallet and i paid for it
0: uh there's a company called fx collectibles efx collectibles right. and uh they're in southern california here and they do these props the guy who owns the company he used to be with a company called master replicas which was around forever they do a ton of star wars stuff and other stuff as well but they're mostly known for this but they released this after the series came out
1: and yeah i was jumped right on that so you're obviously a big star wars fan um what 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 got you into that and um there's a lot of star wars Uh, stuff out there so let's talk about that for a second what what's your favorites you know what are your favorite movies from start to 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 where we're at now well i'm
0: a fairly typical fan i go back to original trilogy so the 70s and 80s what's Uh, your favorite of the three my favorite of the original trilogy is probably the original star wars the first one Mm. um I'm a big fan of Empire Strikes Back as well. Most people default to that. It actually, in a lot of ways, is a stronger film. It's like the middle of this story leaves you hanging at the end. All the characters are left in their worst point. But there's something about like seeing a movie that you have no reference point on who these characters are, are what they're going through. The first time they pop on the screen is the first introduction you're going to get, and you'll never get that feeling again. You'll always be beyond that point. So... Uh, not knowing what I was getting into as a kid and being introduced to all these aliens and characters for the first time, I could never get that moment back. You know what I mean? So it was the newness of it pushes the first movie as uh, probably my favorite, a little bit above Empire. You You didn't like Return of the Jedi, really? I did like Return of the Jedi. I liked the whole thing, but it's like, Once again, just being introduced the first time, you never get that again. A lot of people like harp on Return of the Jedi anyway. They felt like it was a sillier movie, goofier. Han Solo was acting like goofy all of a sudden. He wasn't the more serious character. But I loved all of them. Believe me, I got collectibles from all of those movies. And uh, I kind of fell out of love a little bit as time went on, as a lot of people did, actually. Um, But The Mandalorian, man, that dragged me right back in. I was... The right. time period that the stories are told in right in line with what I like as as well as other people. And my angle for Star Wars was I always liked the shoot 'em up like a uh, Western kind of thing, more than the Jedi kind of thing. A lot of people like the you know, metaphysical, these heroes with these powers and this and that. And I liked like the dirty old cowboys. That's okay. why it's like Mandalorian buzz. So, you, so you, you like spaghetti westerns? I do. I'm not an aficionado on it, but it's like I like that. Kind of
2: grittiness, you like know, the shoot 'em up, gunslinging. Are you a Clint
1: Eastwood yeah,
2: like fan? Less wizards, more. Like yes, yes. yes.
1: Okay. I like but Are you? Are you a Danzig fan? I like Danzig. Yeah. Okay, because he's making a spaghetti western that's a vampire film. It's like. It's it's a way he like, is. Yeah, he's making this film that's kind of a spaghetti Western meets vampire. Huh. And I can't remember the name of it, but Danny Trejo's in it. And um, he he. Uh, what was that other actor's name that played? Uh, he played like a warlock or something. I think the movie he was in was called Warlock. Julian Sands. I think that's. Yeah. Him. Oh, was he has it? that so, accent. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So he's in it. Danny Trejo's in it. He's got, actually, he's got several main actors in it. Um, But it does look a little bit cheesy. It's like spaghetti and uh, vampire movies, which, let's be honest, most of vampire movies are a little bit campy. You know what I mean? So I, I'm expecting this to be a campy film, but it's kind of cool that Glenn Danzig is finally, you know, and he's in the movie so it's kind of cool that he's doing it we'll have to look up look it up and yeah see what i'll, it's I'll called. look it up and stuff but, um uh, uh
2: if they lay into the cheesiness of it it might be cool yeah like if you accept the fact look we're doing vampires and cowboys and okay lay into that you know give me some of that cheesiness you know those stupid I, lines you want to hear you know. I think
1: he's trying to do something similar to Quentin Tarantino's um, – uh, what was the uh, – the, the, From Dusk Till Dawn? From Dusk Till Dawn. Okay. I think he's okay. trying to do something like that, but this is, like, Western-based. You know what I mean? so slightly different because it's got that twist. Because uh, it's a spaghetti Western type feel mixed with the vampires, but I still, it, you know, I'm guessing it takes a lot of it takes place at a bar somewhere at a saloon or whatever. So it, it seems like it's going to feel the same. But I, I'm, I was just wondering, Perry, if that was something that would interest you. Is that something oh. you would get into? Dude, I, mean, I have uh, I I have a subscription time. to shutter I have a subscription to shutter I watch
0: like right. yeah. horror and all sorts of stuff. I, I'm I have a wide uh, array of interest, but yeah, horror is one of them. And horror is probably one of the top at this point. Uh, based on the fact that I think it's the only genre as far as film goes, uh, where they actually take chances and they do weird things. Right. You know, I mean, there's, a lot, there's a lot of very weird stuff out there. Did you guys see the platform?
2: Yes, that one was, yeah. That's the Spanish one, right? Was um, it in Spanish? It I think it, it was subtitled. I saw it dubbed. That's yeah. the one with the I food and then they bring it. the food down. Yes. Yeah. Dude, watch it. I think it's on Netflix. I think they have yeah. it on Netflix, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's trippy. It made you think. It, that's it,
0: the thing. It's like they just there's, they take so many chances in horror movies just doing bizarre things like anything that's scary or like kind of, you know, scratches your neck in a weird way. It's like they, they can do all sorts of stuff where a lot of the other things, you know, like comedy is kind of being strangled right now because of the way the world is. So it's like a lot of the stuff that comes out is the same type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, dramas, I mean, there is a wide array of dramas as well, but it's like, yeah, you know, if you look at TV, it's like, how many hospital shows do you have? Police dramas, procedural type shows, law shows, and that sort of thing. It's like people eat them up, so they keep doing it. Like, how many... Um of these, that you have to see? Like once again, horror. I think
1: at least well, ho- horror. I think is one of the least popular genres amongst most people. I mean, I think guys like you and me, and you know, maybe Cody, and maybe a few other people that we know that like heavy metal and stuff like that will like horror. But most people shy away from it, and they're not really that into it. You know, um, comedy. I agree with you. I think that that's an interesting thing that we could talk about for a second. I do think it's being strangled a little bit and I don't appreciate it, but because I love to laugh, man, and I'm not closed minded, you know what I mean? So I I, I and I'm not thin skinned, to be honest with you. So that's something that a lot of people struggle with these days. What are your thoughts about that? Perry? Just, just we won't we won't. Go too deep into that, but I just want to talk about it for a second.
0: I um I think that people have gotten really sensitive about things to the point where they they're getting upset with things that that are not bad messages per se. Like you know, people were talking. Like I saw a bit of an interview with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and they were talking about Tropic Thunder, which I just started watching again a week ago. I didn't make it through it because I had other stuff going on, but I'm watching it and laughing out loud and
2: shaking my head saying, wow, they would never do this. Not movie a now. chance. This movie Not would a never happen. Oh, dude, and you think Downey would be Iron Man if he'd have pulled that right now? Never. Not never a really chance.
0: Years. But the message is behind that. People get offended as like, you know, just to remind anybody out there, it's like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. plays an actor who has had a... Uh, this surgery, this uh, you know, skin pigmentation surgery, skin pigmentation yeah. to make himself black, as a so he can play black characters in these films. And uh, you know, it's the, the <laughs> point of it is not that he's making fun of any race or anything like that. It's that what a pretentious asshole this guy is. That's yeah. the that's the joke. He's
1: watching you. Uh, not suddenly, Luther. We got to roll out. Nor am I.
2: Father O'Malley.
0: Put arm strong.
1: I think I might be nobody. buddy.
2: Wow. The insecurity level with you guys is ridiculous.
0: All of the actors in the movie... They get stuck in this situation where, you know, they get stuck in a real war and they think it's all being you know, just a fake film, like a script or whatever. They're all a bunch of self-involved idiots. And that's the point. That's why this stuff is funny. Not because they're poking fun at someone and making demeaning somebody at all. Yeah. But I think a lot of people, they see something and they immediately grasp onto this message that may not be there. And then there's no separating that message. So people nowadays are afraid of it afraid of doing
1: anything and yeah. you
0: know jerry seinfeld said in some interview he's not going to do uh this is a while ago by the way probably a couple of years ago uh said he's not going to do the college circuit anymore because people get offended at things that there's no real reason to be offended at it's you know jerry seinfeld is a clean comic and it's all observational yeah. stuff but people yeah. take things in a certain way and you can't you know once
2: you explain a joke a million times it's like you kill the joke anyway yeah. it, just, it, it makes it worse almost well so. and that's that. Yeah. that's what I mean, you're right. That's what sucks about comedy because most comedians take a lot of them take their own traumas and work that into the, the humor to find yeah. the humor of life and to show, look, I'm screwed up. This is what it can become. And everybody lets laugh at what's going on because there's better ways to accept it than anger and fighting. And, you know, laughter is, not what is it? Laughter is best medicine, that sort of thing. And now they turn it around and go, well, yeah, you said this one word, so you're a racist. Or you said this one word, and now you're attacking anybody, really. And it's it it's getting old. Yeah, it, it, you're you know.
1: absolutely right, bro. It it, it it I agree with Cody on that. There, I, I'm gonna say this. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. People are one little thing you do that they don't like, and right away you're bad.
2: They yeah, they want you, you gone or, yeah. You know
1: what I mean? And it's just like, I've been noticing it. It's more, it's very prevalent today. It's way more than it used to be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people used to be, a lot, what I'm saying is people used to be a lot more forgiving. I'm not saying we used to be better, but we used to be a lot more forgiving with each other. Well, yeah, you, know you can I mean?
2: tell the intention behind a joke. Right. I mean, if somebody tells a joke that is racially charged, you can have one person tell the joke and everybody busts out laughing, and you could tell another have another person tell the joke and go, that dude's a racist prick. Cause you can there's you can tell not everything somebody says is real. That- if there's malice to it, if right. there's
1: bad intention, and a lot of times that's very obvious. Yeah. But that's the thing. That's yeah. what I have a lot of friends that don't they understand that my sense of humor is a little bit edgy just because that's just the way I am. Yeah. But they don't care. Because they know that's who I am yeah. and I'm just messing around, man. I'm not being serious. I'm just having fun with you.
2: Well, what happened you know? to being able to call your boy or call anybody and go, Hey dude, that, I don't know if you were just joking or not, but that bummed me out. What the fuck? Yeah, and then you exactly. go, Hey dude, Talk I, about. Oh no, no intention. You have your ad and you guys are good. You know, well, conversation the in
0: society. Yeah. I mean, the fact that people don't touch base and don't get together on this they. Yeah. You know something sad or something's happened happens and then people automatically wish someone away into the cornfield and then that's the end of it they'd say like they, you know i'm old enough to have been around you guys it's like you know are not you know spring chickens at this point so it's like you know <laughs> in the world thanks buddy <laughs> you're a fall chicken you're a fall chicken okay <laughs> still got a little bit of the fuzz not not much but, you know. um but it's uh, you know, we've been around long enough to kind of have seen the world develop and stuff. A lot of people, they're younger, they haven't experienced a lot of the stuff, so they don't know. And um, you know, my friends, like the people that I'm closest to, usually we torment each other. Like it's you know, you give each other shit. It's what it is. It's like the friars roasts. That's what that is. These guys are professional comedians, they like to give each other shit and see like how they can spar. It's like sparring back and forth, you know what I mean? Hell yeah, it yeah. Okay. There's nothing about it
1: to be. It's funny how that it's, I, I, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because it's funny how we take one thing and we, we dig in, you know what I mean? Dig, we dig deep on it. UFC and, you know, even, even though boxing is not as popular as it used to be, these are just things that are accepted, especially UFC. These are, People love wrestling. People love UFC. They love any kind of combat type stuff. But meanwhile, if you say something that offends them on some small level, they try to demonize you and you're like the, the worst enemy they know, you know? And it's just weird. It's like, meanwhile, you're okay with seeing two men beat the shit out of each other. It's like weird.
2: I don't know, man. Yeah. That's it's just pretty selective. It seems like it.
1: Huh? It, it really is. And it's, and that's what I mean. It's nitpicking. And I also feel that we touched on something that's important to talk about. And that's the fact that the conversations, conversation is a lost art, in my opinion. Yeah. We, we we no longer feel comfortable having conversations with each other. We are more comfortable sending a text message or an email and we in relationships mm. and careers <laughs> with that kind of shit right there and i think it's bullshit and i'm going to go on record saying
0: it <laughs> yeah. i it endorse is, that message yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well
2: anyway. actually we we can tie this actually we can we can tie this back into what you do perry because you work in animation right is it because of animation that these shows can get away with this shit on television I think it's because of their
0: history, not to say that, um, you know, because some of these shows have been around for a while, but uh, also, I think they're changing to a certain degree. Like, they're probably getting a little bit more sensitive to to certain subjects, but, you know, some shows like Family Guy and um, (laughs) The Simpsons, Family Guy is probably the biggest, I don't want to use the word culprit, but, you know, they definitely, they push the edge more than most other shows. They
1: definitely. Uh, And
0: South Park as well, but They have a history behind them. And also it's like the the writers are very savvy. They know what they're doing. And it's like the stuff they poke fun at, it's all it's all poking fun at like psychology and human uh, human reactions to stuff like how people act in certain situations. That's all it is. I mean, a lot of the stuff comedy is usually based in some sort of reality as well. It's like there's a reason people are picking these stories to make funny little Quips about, you know what I mean? Right. Because it's like it's, it's the quirkiness of the human condition, and it's like the writers on these animated shows—they know better than anybody else. I, and I, I also think they fly under the radar a lot of times as well, you know. So,
2: yeah, because I mentioned, well, I, I I heard. um Do you know who Bill Burr is, the comedian? Oh, I love Bill. I, yeah, yeah Bill know. Bill's amazing. Um, but he has his show on Netflix, and I it the name escapes me right now. But um, F he, is for family. F is for family. Thank you. Um. And he mentioned that. He's like, if I would have put some of the shit I said where the father says shit to you know, you do that again, I'll put you to the fucking wall. He's like, if you if I translated that into like a sitcom, it's not funny. He goes, no. But if a cartoon dad leans down and say it it has a whimsy to it, you know? Well, because Homer can strain,
0: literally strangle Bart
2: and That's their true. tongues
0: come out and they blah they make funny faces and stuff, and then they bounce back to their original position. They don't right fall to the ground and die and the ambulance comes and picks them up and then there's a lawsuit and it's like they they bounce back. Yeah. And you know I mean think of Tom and Jerry. Think about the stuff nowadays that wouldn't fly. Uh, that's the old, you know, from the old days. Like half of the Chuck Jones cartoons, the old Warner Brothers stuff. These characters beat each other. They shoot each other. Giant mallets, hammers, anvils, this and that. We all know this is a joke. I mean if Elmer Fudd uh, blasts Daffy Duck in the face with a you know elephant gun it looks like you know and his beak turns onto the top of his head and he has to put it back on his face
1: yeah (laughs) that's so true it's
0: like we know that this is a joke but now they take it like oh well you know in case a kid goes and gets an elephant gun from the closet and does that it's you know there is i hate to say it's some parenting that has to be involved you know if your kid is that susceptible then you should watch these children you know not let them watch it but yeah there are cartoons. You can't always blame something all the time. It's always a video game. It's always music. It's always something that's responsible for why people act the way they act rather than they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You know yep. what I mean? It's like <laughs> sometimes it's just, it's people. I've witnessed a lot of people that have had problems in their life and anything would have triggered it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And, you know, to go a little further with this, my theories on this, like, blaming art in any way for, for you know, the violence or the condition it's happening in the world, you know, you could go back in time. And it's like, look at Jack, Jack the Ripper, for example. There were no guns, no guns like today, anyway. He had the most, it was such personal murders, like the stuff he got involved with. He was intimately involved. He killed these, you know, prostitutes with and you know, cut them open and everything else. Sorry to be gross about it, but This sort of stuff has been going on forever. There was no movies and TV shows and uh, video games and rock songs or whatever. Something twisted this guy's mind. It's been going on since caveman times, you know what I mean? So it's more like being able to control ourselves and logically think things through. And obviously, that's why there's ratings on stuff. If someone's too young to really understand something that's going on, you let them get a little older before you explain this stuff to them, you know what what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a gamer. Up. I grew up a gamer. I tell my daughter all the time. She'll ask me something. I'm going, nah, darling, you haven't leveled up there yet. You got to wait until you uh, get a little higher. You know, she gets, well, she laughs and we move okay. on with that, but I, I, make it clear you're absolutely right. And then some people do need to set boundaries and go, no kid, you don't need to play doom eternal. You're five, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I mean, Perry, you've been
1: doing, uh, you've been working on edgy projects your whole career really right you know what i mean you worked on family guy and that was considered really edgy as far as the kind of comedy that it had involved in it which was fantastic by the way but i mean you've done all kinds of stuff what do you what that that's edgy even i would say you know animaniacs and bob's burgers those were kind of edgy on some levels um is what you're working on now going to be edgy or do you think that they've pulled it back they may from what i've seen so far it's like they may have pulled things back a little bit i haven't really
0: noticed anything at this point you know currently i'm on beavis and butthead it's it's you know coming back on paramount plus they're they're doing a movie and then they're doing a series um but from what i've seen it's like they're the same characters that they were you know they're they're dumb you know like metal heads they're like you know looks like they're all (laughs) hopped up on goop or something all the time you know what i mean so it's like they're still them They, they haven't completely cleaned this up um so i think it'll hold true but all of these shows it's like they might they might watch things you know something here and there and like tone things down a little bit but for the most part they are what they are people know what they're getting into when they watch that show or south Park, or family guy um and you know for me personally it 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 takes a lot to really offend me to working on the family guy stuff it's like yeah you you got to draw some choice stuff i didn't write on any of the shows really so it's like uh You know, the only stuff I wrote on was like some kid shows, but um, yeah, these shows—it's like I don't know—it's fun drawing edgy stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm glad my proudest moment was drawing a, uh, which made it into the show, I think, in a different format. But the original drawing I did in my storyboard was, uh, it was a statue of R2D2 making love to Gwyneth Paltrow.
1: (laughs) 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 That was nice, pretty sexy stuff. You should have um, had a little side note where it says, "What's in the box?"
2: No, Oh, um, <laughs> uh, What's in the box? Uh, are you involved? Because you're a storyboard artist. Are, are you in? Like, are you in involved with the writing process? And like, are you in the room while they're coming up with ideas? Or absolutely do they not. Should, Okay. Because okay. I was going to say, uh, do you how how rank do they get while they're coming up with ideas? But I didn't know if you were around. Uh, I'm sure that when the stuff is, you know, the
0: ideas are flying and stuff that, you know, especially a Family Guy or something like that, that they come up with a lot of outrageous stuff and then they trim things if necessary. And with any show live action or animated, they go through note sessions and they go to the networks and everybody puts their notes on it. This is appropriate. This isn't, you know, the higher ups get to say what they uh, think works and what doesn't. Um, But uh, yeah, from us, we're just drawing stuff. It works a little differently if you're on a premise driven show so premise driven shows are usually aimed a little bit lower age-wise they're more kid type shows so um you know i worked on phineas and ferb for a bit and what we would essentially get was like a a decent outline of what's happening on the episode and then we would fill it out we would pad this out we would write all the dialogue for the characters we would kind of change things if it needed to make things flow better add some action or this or that so Premise-driven shows like like Spongebob was sp- premise-driven. I don't know how it's done today. It might be a little bit different, but a lot of those shows, they give a little bit of freedom to the artists. So we're kind of writers as well, although we're not considered that in the writer's guild. We're still just storyboard artists. But so you but get the you so you,
2: you'll get a script and it'll just kind of give you a description of something and then they leave it to you of how, what it looks like is what you're saying?
0: Pretty much. And nice. then, you know, the... Uh, the best times are when you get a script and something crazy happens in the episode and you're like, and, uh, you know, Billy Joe and Tina Fey, you know, walk into the store and all hell breaks loose. And they're like, okay, now go draw. It's like, okay, all hell breaks loose. What is that? Yeah. Oh, the mountains start calming down and the moon crashes into the earth and people are on fire. And it's okay. That was great. I'm glad you could write one sentence. That's going to take me like two weeks to
1: draw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well that's what i was gonna ask you because that's where cody's leading i i totally agree i would that's really that's awesome to to find out this information because i'm very curious about that what you get a script then and then you just kind of go based on what they're telling the storyline is and you we, have to come up with stuff we um well we only come up with
0: stuff if it's like gags or something like that but we The way it's done traditionally now is we are following what they call a radio play. So it's like you're listening to a radio version, audio version of everything stitched together and edited together by the, you know, the directors or the creators. And then you're following that. And then you can kind of like open things up, like cut the track and open it up a little if there's not enough room to make some action happening or something. But for the most part, you try to stick to what's there So the lines are all written, and most of the time it's recorded by the actual actors. Sometimes if they're not available that early on, they do scratch track. So, I mean, I've done scratch track even, where it's like I just record the lines myself. It's a temporary track that we go by, and then they edit it in, and then we're just using that as a template. Um, Once again, when it comes to, like, action, where it's like, oh, you know, uh, the um, So-and-so throws the bowling ball down the alley and it hits this pillar and it's the whole building starts to collapse and the, you, know, you are responsible to like add the action in and so forth. But it does like kind of go up. As a board artist, you're doing this stuff, a rough version, it goes to the director, they give you changes, what, what they want to you know, adjust, and then it goes to the supervising director. So it goes back and forth. Um, but the first stab is called the thumbnail pass. So we do do what was traditionally the size of a thumbnail. There, was, there were little tiny drawings just showing the position of the characters. Now they're, they're full size at this point because we're drawing on the computer. We don't use post-its and all that stuff anymore, you know. So it's a little bit more involved. But uh, the thumbnail pass is like almost like a dummy pass. It's very simple. Not all the acting, where the characters are standing, the angle of the camera. Uh, that sort of thing. Camera moves. If the camera your moves anywhere, we put that stuff in. And then the second uh, pass is what cleanup, where we fix everything and clean it and add in all the acting. So, wow. what
2: point in the process of making a show does it get to you? Oh, so, right of the script, so the so the second the script's done, then you're involved in, like you just said, you do the shot angles and and all of that, right? Pretty um,
0: much. I mean, it's like it, I'm sure they have a couple of passes usually um on the script to get what they're pleased with and then they'll record the lines and then we'll get it so that we have the soundtrack to kind of go by but yeah then it comes to us i mean the director cuts it into pieces and says this artist is doing scene one three eight nine and this one's doing two four seven they give us our assignments and then we one at a time go through each sequence and it's whatever we get in that sequence a lot of people used to think like an animation you just you, you work on one specific character it's like no whoever's in that shot you're doing it you know and then each show has its rules as well like what the show looks like you know beavis and butthead tends to be a little flat you know um bob's burgers originally was it was a flat show they kind of followed the wes anderson school of filmmaking where a lot of flat shots and you would move in and out to uh zoom in and out of, of the characters um but they all have their you know their rules that they come up with of what they want the show to look
2: like did you go to school to learn this shit
0: I did, but I was—I went to Columbia College uh, in Chicago for a couple of years. Uh, But I've—I've been drawing since I was like five years old. And you know, I had the Preston Blair giant animation book when I was a kid. I it's around here somewhere. But Preston Blair, very famous animator from way back. And um, you know, you could see all the characters walk cycles and like how they do motion and stuff. And I had that when I was like eight years old. So it's something that I was familiar with, even if I didn't practice it because I was too young. But yeah, I was drawing like the Flintstones and drawing like Warner Brothers characters when I was very young. Chuck Jones was a big influence on me. So, that's yeah.
1: well, you know, what I was going to ask you that because you, you you have a specific uh, style, you know what I mean. and yeah. I was wondering what got you into it or what was the the the, the one thing that really uh, inspired you to become an artist to begin with. Because I remember when I was a little kid, I used to draw I'm nowhere near as good as you, dude. You're 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 way talented. I'm not that. I'm not good. Obviously, that's why I got into something else. But I used to draw like people. Sometimes I used to try and make accurate like little sketches of people. And I even one time I even counterfeited a dollar bill (laughs) just to see if I could do it. You know what I mean? And some people were like, "Hey, that's not too bad." I don't think I would think it was real but it's not too bad so i'm wondering what made you what got you into it and when did you get confidence to know that you could do that for a living i think well i don't know about the confidence thing i think that kind of haunts me forever like am i doing good (laughs) enough at this
2: um
0: you know when i when i first got into college i went for i was a broadcast student originally uh at loyola university in chicago so i wanted to be on radio and i you know, took radio classes. I was on their local station a few times and all that. And then into it a few, uh, a couple of years, I realized that nobody makes it in radio. Like, you don't, I'm from Chicago originally. It's like, you don't end up on Chicago radio or New York, or San Francisco. You end up in like, you know, pig knuckle Idaho and uh, and you deal with it. And I'm like, I didn't want to go through the whole pig? No. small, you know, the small circuit for years and try to like go up and so I'm like, what, is there anything else I'd be interested in? And I said, I think I'm going to just go into film. I'm going to take some animation classes because I, I draw all the time anyway. I scribble and this and that. And I had taken art classes in high school. So I went to Columbia College and I you know, took some classes there. And uh, there was a guy teaching there who had been, um, he had worked at Hanna-Barbera, Australia for like 15 years. And he'd really been around and worked for Warner Brothers and this and that. And he, he Columbia got him to teach for them. His name was John McClanahan. John McClenahan. And he uh, decided to start. He moved back from Australia and wanted to start a small studio in his hometown called um, of a uh, home of Illinois called Star Tunes. And I was in his class, and he pulled me and a couple other people out of class to work for him. And uh, we started in when there was like not much there, and he was he got contracts from Warner Brothers, bringing stuff in. So it's like I worked on Tiny Tunes and Tasmania back in the day and stuff. And we're doing assistant work over for him. So that's what really got me involved. And then at a certain point, like 25 years ago, everybody, the studio had grown by this point and there wasn't a lot of work in Chicago, except for what we were doing. So everybody decided to go to the West coast and I followed like a couple months later. So we all like migrated to the West coast and all got into animation out here. Um, So it's like, I just kind of, you know, a little bit more for the adventure and just jumped on board and said, okay, let's give this a shot. I'm going to move from Chicago to, uh, Southern California and the
1: rest is history. I mean, I've been pretty consistent, so. You're a big music fan. Um, I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Um, I know you like hard rock and heavy metal. Um, You've actually supported my band. So that's really cool. And I appreciate you for that. Um, And that's how I got to know you. That's how I met you. We met at a House of Blues show, I believe that was
0: actually funny. we met at the whiskey when you guys did the whiskey the whiskey
1: oh okay Ooh. okay sure okay so there you go homeboy's <laughs> been to more than one of my shows You're i've been to a few of them <laughs> you, you, you gotta hold up the metal horns for that but i was at the viper you... room show for god's sake that's right so how 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 did you get into i mean what is your favorite genre first of all i think i would have to say like just use
0: the term hard rock all right because it skates the line you know what i mean because i'm not into everything super heavy metal and i'm not into you know i i am not a music snob i say this all the time i feel like music is something that feeds your soul and if something touches you whether it's slayer or Katy perry it doesn't matter to me (laughs) you know what i mean if it if it brings something positive to your life then then knock yourself out you know what i mean fuck yeah um like i will I will defend Celine Dion to the end of the earth. Okay. I'm not the biggest fan. I appreciate what she does. And I think what she does, she does really well. But it's like I'm not gonna hold an artist against what they do. It's like good for her. You know what yeah. I mean? Taylor Swift, the girl writes her own shit, plays her own shit, produces her own shit, puts on her own albums. It's like that's yeah. you know what I mean? Bingo bango. That's the way to do it. Killing it. So whatever does it for you, uh and makes you feel good inside. And bring something positive to your life, Racon. That's what I say. I listen to all
1: sorts of stuff. Well, what's your what what would you say your top bands that you listen to the most? I mean, there's got to be ones that you have like favorite. Well, number one would be Ravenscroft, no doubt about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Although you think I'm joking, but you are in my Spotify rotation. I literally. i made okay. like a, a Ravenscroft playlist and i appreciate that brother. i
1: do but tell me the ones that you really like like the, okay so the top five or whatever so metallica
0: uh van halen both incarnations of it i love sammy hagar i still see him like whenever i can at this point um gosh what else am i really into um I used to really love, I mean, the, the guy died, but I loved the Jeff Healy band. I was introduced to him very early on. I listened to a lot of blues, um, hair metal. Uh, my first concert, if it explains anything, my first concert ever was Duran Duran. Nice. In 1984.
2: Duran. Nice. I love
1: Duran Duran, dude. So
0: it's like, yeah, I mean, I I listen to everything. I mean, you know, Sinatra, Frankie Avalon. It, it's, you know, the other day I was uh, uh in the car and I was, was listening to all like Frankie Avalon station so whatever it was like Everly Brothers and so I'm good with all of that I've gone through every phase of my life I started out when I was young um, I was into just regular rock music then I got deep into pop music and then my friend uh, one of my friends bought uh, a Newmark mixer and a couple of tec- techniques uh, turntables the 1200s and we got into hot mixing that was yeah. big in Chicago we went from there into metal then I was like deeply into like ozzy osbourne and maiden in the early days uh then when i was in my 20s we started going to a club called jukebox saturday night in north north side of chicago which was all 50s and 60s music all all day and night so it's like i i've been through all of these phases i moved out to california got deep at the rockabilly and surf music and then surf punk and it's like so I just like anything that sounds good to me. I will willingly sing anything.
1: You know, mm. <laughs> you know, I love believe. it, dude. You're you're from Chicago, then, right? Yes. Okay. Do you do you like the Chicago-based bands like Disturbed?
0: I do like Disturbed. I got more into them as time goes on, and uh, they're supposed to go on tour. I would love to see them uh, sometime soon. So yeah. hopefully, okay.
2: Hopefully, I I have to ask because you posted the other day. How was Kiss? this was really good now
0: granted you know there's so much drama in the kiss world Mm -hmm. in the sense that's like you know paul stanley's got a lot of assist on the vocals and this and that and i'll tell you i didn't notice anything it's not like i noticed flubs or anything and his voice was a little raw when he was talking to the audience a couple times but here's the thing these guys are in their 70s they perform like motherfuckers man they still put on a show and um you know if they do call it quits, which they say they're going to, it's like that's totally respected you 100%. Know? But they put on a great show and they, they do project most of this themselves. I don't think they're getting so much assist that they're like slip syncing, you know what I mean? Right? Yeah, um, great time. And the they're show ended in
1: Millie Vanilli. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I even feel, you know what? I, I'll
0: tell you, I feel bad for Millie Vanilli, they're one yeah. of those fans. I do because it's like. The shit that they did—they were two guys that were trying to make it in the business, and some other group pulled them aside and said, "We're going to make you famous. Just lip sync to this." Yeah. And then they were treated like complete shit. And then twenty years down the line, everybody fucking does it. Every pop star does
2: it. Britney Spears does it. All these people like lip sync, yep. and everybody's fine with it. Yeah, I heard that high- that Britney did that in Vegas, right? Didn't they say she was lip syncing in Vegas for a while? I, I don't know so. if that's true i allegedly for sure i i but i had heard the rumor was that for a while early on in her tenure or her residency they said she was just like singing and do. dancing
0: yeah the the more aggressive the dancing is do you really think someone could be like singing like this going like, this that, like there's no way they're going to be able to sing yeah you have to stop and be able to
1: project the these lyrics up yeah breath is actually as a singer i can tell you this breath is incredibly breath control is incredibly important yeah not only being completely hydrated is completely important and what you just said makes a lot of sense because it takes away both hydration and breath control by dancing around like that so um you know and And yes there there
2: are exceptions to the rule that are crazy insane people that might be able to pull it off but the one thing also people i think forget is it's entertainment You know, their job is to go out there and give you a perfect show. So if there's a section where the dance is harder and you can pipe in the vocals for her to get that dance right, that's what makes the show go off, people. I would have to say,
1: yeah, I agree with you, Cody. And I would have to say that on top of it, you got to remember these guys are performing not one time. They're going every night, sometimes five nights a week, maybe more i just i don't
0: know i just felt bad for those guys it's like if you watch the behind the music on vh1 their lives were shit they were a joke like people tormented them to the point where one of the guys had a horrible drug habit and he ended up dying from it yep and it was because of this depression and stuff and i'm like at a certain point you know there's that whole schadenfreude thing it's like you know you laugh at the misfortune of others but at a certain point is it really that fucking funny you know what i mean in today's society we don't we don't joke about depression and stuff. Like at a certain point, you know, you could laugh at someone's misfortune, but it's like you, at the end of the day, can just turn off the TV or walk away, and then they deal with their own depression and their own. Ch- I just, I, I don't know. I might be a little preachy about the millie vanilli thing. I just felt like when you see the story, no. it's just very sad. Well, it's
2: similar. It, it's it's not as tragic, obviously, but it was similar to the to the response to Ashley Sh- Simpson's Saturday Night Live debacle where they played the wrong backing track and then they basically said that that ended her career and I'm like she's on Saturday night fucking live you know (laughs) like the top of the top for an artist who wants to get exposure come on it's Saturday night live I know they're it's at the time it was huge or probably bigger than it was now I don't know but like I said as an artist or as an entertainer when you look at shit it's like sometimes they go look your job is to get the product our job is to get the show right Get in there and do your job. And yeah, you're not going to be plugged in. You know, same thing. I mean, it. it sometimes I look at it and go, you're going to get pissed that artists don't lip sync or don't play live on their music videos either. Like music videos are lip synced. Yeah, It's a production at that point. It's not about that performance, it's about getting the production to the fans.
0: You know? The only time I ever saw something different, which was like really, you know, poking fun at the whole thing was when Nirvana did that one performance. Did you ever see that one? I can't remember where it was. They did a performance where they were asked by the producers to lip sync. They were going to be doing it to track. Did you ever see that? Cody?
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they, and they
0: deliberately oh, and they sabotaged the, the show.
2: Yeah. Like, they didn't even fake it. And girl was like drumming
0: completely upbeat. Like, bah, bah, bah. It, it's hilarious. Iron they Maiden sh- did really the same bah.
2: thing. I understand it. I guess back in the day, Iron Maiden did, I oh. guess top of the pops or some real big thing told them that they were to lip sync. So they were like, no, and they let them play the song and they just started dancing and doing shit. And yeah, I love that kind of crap, man.
1: I mean, you got to make it. choice. Guys can get a little
2: bit uh, <laughs> brain from time to
1: time.
2: <laughs> well, again, it's also it's also who, uh, like we said, it's playing the game. They probably were expecting to go do a live show and then found out this is what we signed up for. And we're like, fuck this. We're not doing it.
1: Yeah. You know.
0: So this doesn't give you, uh, Ralph, it doesn't give you license to go lip-syncing your shit for now, okay? <laughs>
1: I'll try not to, brother. <laughs> Let's get back to talking about you. Um, At what age were you? You said you were five years old, right, when you first I started. was pretty young, yeah. Okay, so were you, when did you first realize that? I don't want to keep you too much longer, brother, but I want to know. Oh, that's you, all good when you first decided that you were good enough to do this you know what i mean professionally. i think it's at? uh
0: i think it actually was when i was in columbia college and i got a job out of it I mean, okay. you know because it's uh, even looking at my stuff back then it wasn't as good as it is now once again i don't think i'm you know hot shit or anything but um, what I felt finally at that point, like if someone's hiring me for this, it's like then I obviously have some skills to do this. And I think we all learn uh probably through our whole lives. You always like learn new things and learn new ways of doing things. So it's still a learning process even to this day. But yeah, I think it was college and having someone hire me out of there.
1: <laughs> so what do you what would be your advice to someone who's an artist like yourself and interested in doing the kind of work that you do? What would be your advice, especially nowadays with the COVID going on and stuff like that, things are a little bit different. I will say this, we
0: live, you know, COVID withstanding, we live in a world right now, where you have so much at your fingertips. And it's like, I almost can't, um, can't accept too many excuses on why people don't, get certain things done it's not like i'm that proactive in a lot of things either but i'm just saying that when people have an idea of something in their head that they want to do you have youtube you have this i mean for better or for worse you can literally find anything on youtube you want to find a vocal coach that'll show you like pointers on how to like up your game singing plenty of people there's plenty of people that professionals who talk about all these famous singers and they show you what to do you want to be an artist there's people who literally will teach you computer graphics tell you what programs to get they will show you step by step everything that you have to do same thing with art you can probably learn open heart surgery if you really wanted to you know you'd still have to get a you know accredited to actually do it but they show you everything so if anybody wants to do anything you don't even need money at this point use your internet to go on with your phone or whatever, and start looking into it. That's a good way to get a gauge of, you know, how much work it takes. If it's something that's for you, you don't have to spend all sorts of money and realize halfway, you know, a year in that you spent $10,000 that this is not your gig. You want something else. Um, The other thing is, well, I guess remember that you can change up your game at any point in life. I mean, there's people 60, 70 years old. They go, I've decided to do something different with my life and I've changed over and now I've decided to do this. You have time. As long as your foot isn't in the grave, you have time to change things, especially when you're young. I wouldn't tie myself down to something that you hate, uh, but do the necessary steps to get ahead. You know, I wish that people took more pride in their jobs. If, you know, if I lost everything tomorrow, I would go work at McDonald's in a harpy with the intent that I would be the manager of that McDonald's within six months and have my own fr- franchise within the year. You know, like, <laughs> May not be my dream, but you have to have a little bit of that gumption to do stuff and determination. Um, as far as specifically art, you know, draw. The thing is, it's like you have to draw as much as you can. You know what I mean? Keep those uh, skills tuned, you know what I mean? And sharpen those skills. Uh, John McClanahan, who I took his class and he was the owner of Star Tunes where I started working uh, you know, in college. He had this comment which was everybody's got 10,000 bad drawings in them and the more you draw the quicker you get them out of the way. So <laughs> there's a truth to that, nice. you know what I mean? It's like yeah. if you draw all the time you'll get used to this. You'll things that were hard will get better over time. And I think that goes through for everything. It's not just drawing, it's just everything in life. You get used to it, you get stronger, your skills get stronger. So. Yeah.
2: I kind of take that. Yeah, it's it's kind of similar in my brain when I'm when I'm worrying about practicing or trying to find like a weird shape or some kind of something i'm working out like every once in a while i just say embrace the suck you know it's not going to come out right you're going to miss a note it's going to flub it's going to do so just embrace it and move on you'll get it you know
0: the mistakes make you
2: stronger yeah
0: like if everybody did something exactly the way it was they would never know what defeat is i mean you know they talk about helicopter parenting and like everybody wins uh, an award when they go play softball or whatever i'm like you have to know de- defeat yeah it's not a bad thing Unless it's to the death, maybe in a sword fight, like to the death, you wouldn't (laughs) want to be defeated. But the other stuff just makes you stronger. You know what I mean? It's like you learn from it. Good sportsmanship. You shake each other's hands. You get better. You know what I mean? This is life. It's like if you never make a mistake, you don't know, like, how much better things can be. Jason Lee said it in uh, Vanilla Sky. You know, without the bitter, the sweet is never quite as sweet. You know, you need that balance.
2: Fuck yes. So,
1: absolutely. Finding balance is one of the hardest things to do in life, but it's probably one of the most important things. Yeah. And probably one of the biggest keys to fulfillment, in my opinion. Um, I did want to ask you, though, what do you think about instruction? Is that because we touched on that right now when you were talking about how you can find things on YouTube, Mm -hmm. teach you how to do things. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you you believe that there's a, a... a professional future in instruction especially what do you mean nowadays what do you mean instruction exactly well you know what i mean where you're you're maybe you're doing a youtube channel where that's all you do is show people how to do things do you believe that that's a successful career path
0: i i could see it as something successful i mean if you you know the sad part is, is people are getting successful off of doing absolutely nothing yeah, and exactly. If everybody decides to support them, who am I to say anything? You know what I mean? People yeah. who have, you know, YouTube stations where they literally do fucking nothing, you know, and have nothing to say. And it's like, every, you know, like, you know, some cute little 16 year old girl has 500 million followers. Or, you know, like, if they get famous, something good for them. I don't think it's per- personally a fulfilling thing at a certain point, And also, when the bottom drops out, you have nothing left. So you have to have something there.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Even in, um, in animation, like when I started going to school, I was working in a print shop in Chicago. And I always felt for years, worst comes to worst. I will go back and work at a print shop. I know how to print, I know how to use these smaller machines. I have something to go fall back on. I think nowadays people don't have any backup plans. So it's like it's yeah. all or nothing. And everybody wants to be famous. Yeah. And not everybody can be famous, you know, at least a degree where you're making a hundred million dollars a year. Exactly. Uh, But instruction, I think that there has to be some sort of teachers or leaders for the future to, like, you know, spread this knowledge to younger people. That's the only way it's going to be spread. And the young people or anybody who wants this instruction has to be willing to take it and interested in enough, in the whatever the subject may be, to want to, like, delve into it. You know what I mean? I hope that people stay curious in life. You know what I mean? That they... Something strikes them and they go, I'm going to look this up because this, that sounds cool or interesting or whatever. And they, they make an effort to go and hunt stuff down.
1: Uh, being as you, as you're in the world of entertainment, um, what are your thoughts about where it's at right now, the world of entertainment? I mean, mm-hmm. the streaming uh, and that could, that it, 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 cause it's both music and movies and, Uh, everything that we consume all the content where do you think things are going with that and how how do you feel about it i you know since i don't study the
0: numbers really and i don't know exactly like firm facts on on releases and stuff looking from like this base level first of all i have no idea how anybody makes any money anymore in anything when it comes to entertainment (laughs) because people have been stealing shit since the napster days and not just that but you know, like Disney has their thing where they'll put like not all of their movies, but some of them when they release, it's like thirty dollars extra for you to watch it at home. Yeah, instead of a theater. Now. And it's like if you have forty people at your house watching it, it's like well they're not making shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no, that's true. It's it's hard to feel sorry for Disney. I'll, I'll say that much. But <laughs> much uh, when you look a little further down the line, I don't know how people make money as musicians on Spotify on any of the streaming. It makes no fucking sense to me. I understand there's package deals like with movies on Netflix and stuff. Like, okay, well, we'll pay you this much for this giant movie that you're releasing, but you also have to pay this much to grab these little independent movies that nobody knows what they are. So, do they? How do how do they make enough money to justify making a movie like Independence and stuff? I have no idea. Um, I will say my theory from many many years ago, when streaming first appeared, I felt and it didn't. Tinder didn't exist at the time, but I felt that it was like the Tinder for movies. You know, like back in the day, the early days of beta versus VHS, one of my friend's parents had one of the first video stores in Chicago and we worked there. We worked free for him because we were suckers and we were fucking kids. So we would go there and work <laughs> on Friday and Saturday nights. And when the store closed, we would take movies home and watch. them. so I watched a lot of B-mo- B-horror movies. Really, I knew everything in the fucking 80s. But, um, We would take stuff home and we would watch it. And it was either you got something great and you could cheer about it and go, Holy shit, we saw this movie last night, it was great. Or you got a complete stinker and you would say, Can you believe how shitty that thing was? And you would talk about what a piece of shit that movie was. Okay? It was so bad that it was enjoyable. Exactly. Yeah. Nowadays, you have so much stuff, and I'm totally guilty of this. You have so much stuff on your you're just like, swipe, 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 swipe. Like You'll spend an hour deciding what you want to watch before you even watch it, and if yeah. it comes on and it doesn't catch you in the first two minutes, you go fuck this and you're gone and you're done with it. Yeah, like they d- nothing gets a chance. Those shit movies that we watched when we were kids on VHS, we didn't have a choice. It's like okay, we could go home or we could sit here and drink soda until what two o'clock in the morning until George's parents kicked us out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so I don't know what's in the future. I think the only this goes for video games as well, by the way. The only products that really make it big are the ones that have the big exposure and everything else slowly falls off the sides of the road and, and they disappear. Yeah. Nobody remembers them. Nobody cares. There's too much fucking content, first of all. And I get it. Everybody wants to be famous and everybody wants to make stuff, but there is too much content. You will never be able to watch watch it all or catch it all in your life. We'll all be dead
2: way before then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I kind of, I agree with what you're saying. With too much content, and that that kind of becomes the biggest problem. And the cream rising to the top idea anymore is not really as true as it used to be. I don't think.
2: I think I it's think- still true. I think the cream barrel's just bigger now because it's a deeper fucking pool. <laughs> the cream barrel. You just know, bigger. so you have to sit there and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to turn your little ass off to get up to the top. Nowadays, it seems like.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, the thing is, once again, like a lot of stuff that has a lot of exposure may not be the best cream, but it's got enough exposure. Like, you know, if it's like a a Conjuring movie or like one of those very popular horror movies, that's going to make money and other stuff. I've seen a lot of good movies. Nobody fucking watches them. Like horror-wise, The Witch. The Witch is a great movie. There's like, there's a lot of good movies out there, but they just float under the radar. Like mass audiences don't go see
1: this stuff it's not their cup of tea you know yeah yeah no for sure kind of crazy that's why but,
2: nowadays you see uh, uh promotional budgets for movies that are like four times the fucking actual production costs absolutely yeah because they need they want it out that much are you a gamer uh not as much as i
0: used to be okay. now i play like um kind of non-committal stuff that's like you could play for 10 minutes or for an hour yeah so i'm into exploration like i'm i love subnautica um um what were the other ones oh uh the long dark i've been in love with the long dark for like three years already yeah do you know the long dark i'm not familiar with
1: that one okay
0: so these are all like exploration type games so the long dark there's a survival mode which is literally you just are on your own and you survive as long as you can and then there's a story mode which you're following these bits of story regardless both modes the whole point of it is you are in a plane that crashed into canadian mountains in the middle of the winter during a freak storm and you have nothing left and you have to survive so you walk around and it's like you pick up sticks to make fires and you find random pieces of food and then you find like you could break into these houses and these stores because the whole towns are abandoned and stuff. And then you find a bullet and you got to learn how to fucking shoot. It's, but it's like, it's this slow progression thing to right. see how long it could last. And Subnautica is the same thing, but it's underwater. It's like, and it's total paranoia game. Believe me. It, I like was you- going
2: to try Subnautica, but I, I watched a couple stream. streams. I, I, I'm a fan of watching the streamers when I'm working and they were yeah. playing that. that They did a couple turns and there was some monster trying to bite their face <laughs> off. It scared the shit out of me. I like it's, I, it's
0: freaking scary, man, yeah. because it's like you're really you're like you feel like you're floating in water in the middle of the ocean, and they're called um leviathans. And it's like the deeper you go, the more out into the water you go, where you can't see land, you can't see anything anymore. These things you hear them like under the water, and they're giant, they're like this, like dinosaurs. It's like Godzilla swimming underwater after you, and they pop out of nowhere. Yeah, they scare the living crap out of you. Oh, shit.
1: oh fuck.
2: Get me out! Oh! Oh! <laughs> what? No! Oh! We're so, oh! Oh! Ah! Oh!
1: we Oh! 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 go!
2: go! <laughs> Uh, 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 uh.
1: I'm going deeper no I'm going the wrong way
2: oh God oh God oh God
1: oh God don't look back don't look back don't look back don't look back just keep going no don't look back no matter what don't look back Fugger,
2: yeah! Whoa! <laughs> Run! Oh, That's awesome yeah, the, the only oh, two survival games good. I played were um, uh, Minecraft, of course. I mean, that's the classic. And I don't know if you've tried. If you've tried Valheim, no. that one's actually pretty fun, dude. You might look that one up. It's all yeah, based on – um, it's basically you're uh, uh, one of Odin's warriors who died in battle, and you have to prove yourself to get to Valhalla. So he just it dumps is. you in the middle of this thing, and then your survival. you got to learn how to – you start learning with sticks, and then you work up to building rocks and right. – yeah, it's something like that. You might, you might check that out.
0: And State of Decay. De- I was deep into State of Decay and I stayed away from a while. Do you know State of Decay? No, I haven't heard of that one.
1: Zombie game. Zombie survival. The world's over. Like it's zombie, you by yourself. I like zombie games. Oh, I like zombie games. But I like State the of- first-person shooter um, fast action, you know, you if you don't. You know what I mean? You're seeing it from the viewpoint of it. You're holding the gun. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's You're not. You don't see yourself. So, but that's like, and they're coming at you ferociously. <laughs> I love shit like that. It's exciting for me. But tell me about this other one.
0: <laughs> oh, state of the state of the case is third person though. So you're you watch yourself right. walking around, but um, you it's all like in the country, like in, you know somewhere in the Midwest or something. They don't explain where it is, but you, you're like going through houses and you're stealing stuff and there's other people in there you come across people that are like oh my god we've been attacked can we join your crew and they join your crew and then you can jump back and forth between characters and then you know there's more and more aggressive zombies and it's it's pretty cool and then some of these guys are out to get you these other survivors and they'll come and try to kill you they'll show up in groups and be trying to kill you off through whatever group you have it's it's fun it's a lot of fun and it's a big
1: didn't, hour. You, didn't you work on a, a video
0: game? I worked on a couple of games when I first moved out to California. I didn't find work in animation right away so I uh, found work at Virgin Interactive Entertainment, which they don't exist anymore but it was Richard Branson's company an offshoot of virgin uh, and it was in Irvine California down here. And um, the first game I worked on was Spot Goes to Hollywood. So I didn't work on any violent stuff. And Spot is the Seven Up Spot, which anyone remembers. The, the bro, I played the spot. fucking
2: game, man. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, well, Holy I worked shit. on Spot Goes
0: to Hollywood. Uh, it was the PlayStation version. So we were a launch game from when the original PlayStation came out in '97. And um, after that, I worked on um, I worked on a game called ToonStruck, which was a point-and-click PC game and the whole point of the game was the whole game was animated characters except for a live action guy and they literally got the biggest names in the animation world to do voices on this thing and uh, you know if you ever look up Toonstruck the video game you'll see the list of actors so Christopher Lloyd plays a, an animator who one day he's got this deadline and he stays up real late and he falls asleep and he wakes up in his own animated world so christopher lloyd is live action this whole game walking around with all of this cartoon shit and we got um uh you know dom deluise did voices tim curry was the voice of the bad guy uh, voices from the tiny tunes and stuff i mean oh, it was wow. in- insanity the voices we had on this and uh it was pretty popular at the time but you know this is a, a relic of history now nobody really knows this game yeah
2: well check it out look up Toonstruck because it's, it's oh I'm gonna bring it up point. right now I'm gonna bring something oh. up right here for sure why would you want to embark on this asinine little outing when I can simply send you back to your own world no deal I've heard it enough but Mr. Blank. I'm only looking out for your best interests. Remember your unfortunate little run in with my syringe. The clock is ticking. This may be your last chance.
1: I don't need your help, Nefarious. I've already found your warp device, and now I'm going to throw you right out of the skies. Go! I command you.
2: It was very adult. There was, like, you
0: know, sadomasochism and violence, <laughs> like,
2: all sorts of stuff. All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming on, Perry. You are awesome you guys rule that was super cool to have you on i might
0: might skip this episode (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to listen to to yourself but i don't need to hear my own stories so
1: (laughs) now i'll probably listen to this as well you'd be surprised dude we covered some cool shit on this i think you'll like it uh a lot of times i watch them and i'm just kind of like that was fun you know what i mean we talked about stuff that uh we just on the fly you know what I mean, and some interesting shit comes up, and I think this episode is no different. So. Hell yeah! But
2: awesome. because anyway. we went down some paths I didn't expect to go down either. So yeah, I love it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, but but thanks, bro. Appreciate absolutely. you so much. Absolutely. Well, man. till next time. I'll when gladly take- do this again. Oh, cool, bro. Yeah. We are gladly to to have, have, have you on. You on? Yes, absolutely. So we'll have you um, on when
2: the shows when the shows drop after the shows drop, so we can get into like production stuff and kind of talk little stuffs because I know you can't talk oh, yeah. much about them and stuff.
0: Well, once again, from the animation standpoint, it's like I'm just a guy who like you know puts his headphones on and just draws and draws and draws until my arm hurts. So
1: I don't know how fascinating it can be, but you know maybe there'll be a little insight. You never know. Oh yeah, man. I mean that's the thing is that with this is we talk to you know this we talk to people that most people don't even think about. You know what I mean? But they're a big part of the entertainment industry, and people don't know that. And guys like you you're a huge part of it that's why when cody showed me this list of the stuff that you've done i was like holy shit he's been doing stuff forever and and you know like you said we don't need some people don't even realize that you've been bringing you've been a part of the entertainment that's been coming into their lives so you know a lot of us artists i mean we're you know we're
0: faceless people you know because we We work behind the scenes. Like one, one of the guys I used to work with, he'd call it below the line, I guess, is a term, right? Like, we're, we're not exposed to types. Of, so nobody knows what we do. We can, you know, a lot of us, and it's like, but well, I know a lot of people in the industry, people who've worked on like some of the most famous shit in the world, you know, and yeah. they can walk around in society like it's no big deal. These actors, they get hounded all the time. They would never know what we do. And, it, you know, this kind of goes back to my whole theory in life. I think a lot of times when people, you know, they young people are looking for a job or they're looking for some outlet to do something and they don't really, their scope is not wide enough to really consider the world. When you walk out on the street, you kind of go to wherever your aim is. You know, you go, I have to go to the store to buy some bread. So you get in your car, you drive to the store, you get the bread, you come home. You know, rarely do you think about what it takes to have this world around you function. You know, right. when you walk out onto the street and you go, somebody paved these roads, somebody actually came up with the formula of this pavement and this blacktop because it improved over last year. And somebody made these le- these street lamps and somebody cleans them, someone changes the light bulbs in them, someone Uh, mows the grass someone feeds the grass someone built that building just now someone's doing construction on it oh a car got into an accident here come the police here comes a tow truck this guy his wife works at the factory where they actually make toilet paper it doesn't matter it's like endless to get this world running it's billions of human ants running around and doing their things to make your world what it is whether it's you're looking for a specific brand of something or you want to go to a specific movie or buy a book or there's so much shit that goes behind it. There's so many opportunities and so many li- layers to look at in the world. There's, you know, that's what you I mean. You're saying that it's like, yeah, the stuff that I do, people wouldn't know. And there's so much beyond me. You know, like I have yeah. a, a poster from when I was on Family Guy. I took this big Stewie poster, which next time I'll find it, I'll pull it out for you. It's a picture of Stewie's head real big. It's right when the show came back from the dead because it was canceled a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. And I walked around the studio and I had literally every single person who works on that show sign that poster. Uh-huh. So I got like the whole main cast, Seth MacFarlane signed, it. I had some guest stars, but it wasn't just them that was impressive. I got every fucking artist, the producers, every writer, the person who does payroll, the guy who ran the, like the, the, uh, office supply room, the editors, Literally everyone fucking wrote it. And then somebody told me, well, you didn't sign it. So I ended up signing it on the back because it's my, my poster. <laughs> but when you see this thing, it gives you a greater idea. And that doesn't include the people overseas who are doing the animation. Anything in life takes so much work and so many people. And there's, you know, I guess that goes to my, my final statement, which will be, you know, showing a little grace to the world because there's so many people that make this world run and make the, world turn and you you can never consider it if you don't open your eyes and you look you know
2: what i mean you gotta pay attention sometimes yeah so there you go absolutely brother
1: I, that's perfect though
2: that was a perfect statement that was the perfect no, statement should <laughs> have tear for the <laughs> <anime>. <laughs> no but it just goes to show because we have we have said this since day one and we continue to say it Ralph and I started this show in an effort to shine light on artists, on art, on entertainers, on the importance of keeping art and artists that you believe in alive. And that is exactly the reason why, because most people just don't understand how much it takes to get art together and how much it takes to get anything going. It's all kind of ignored. I think. Yeah. they just want the finished product and they don't really give a shit. And that I'm not saying they they should in terms of like every single time, But every once in a while, give it a thought, you know. Yeah,
0: give it's well, you know, I call it consideration, like give consideration to what's happening around you and you know to people as well. I mean, it goes, it goes you know, from one end to the other. It's like give consideration to people, to what you're interested in. No, don't just like ingest things and you know poop them out and then you're done with that. It's like, you know, let it let it stew around. I'm not for the binge model. I like we used to watch shows one. Episode a week, and then we would talk yep. about it and
1: stew on it, and that's the way it should be. You get to think about things, yep. Yeah, that's true. Sure. The binge model, I think, is what uh has led to a lot of the uh issues that uh the older generation sees happening in the younger generations yeah. because we we experience something a little bit different, and I think we have a little bit more appreciation for those things, although many of us are guilty of diving right in to what's happening. We now, all do. You know, we all do. But uh, I would agree that I think sometimes there's something to having to have patience and wait. And you know what I mean? Maybe even having to support it in a big way for it to survive yeah. and for it to rise and for it to be successful. I think all those attributes are important. And I think it's sad that we lose that in this society now. We don't, I don't know. It, 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 that's a long story and I don't even want to get into it. So <laughs> I, 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 that's I, for next time. I just want to I just want to let you know that I'm, I appreciate you coming on. And I just want one last thing, dude. What What can people see since we're talking about appreciating people that bring us art? what can people look forward to seeing that you've worked on what's the next things that are being that are coming out
0: well the next thing that's going to pop up is chicago party ant which is going which is a netflix exclusive show and it's uh, based on a twitter account called chicago party ant which is like a middle-aged chicago woman who is just as brash as you would expect a uh, middle-aged chicago woman to be
2: <laughs> um, yeah. It's right it's nice right.
0: and nice and grungy and dirty and she's got quite quite the mouth on her. So, uh, but that's coming in I think a couple of weeks. That's going to be here in September, twenty twenty one on Netflix. Where, where can
1: people Netflix?
0: Okay, cool. And then that's Beavis cool. and Butthead probably, which I'm on
1: now, sometime next year. That's going to be on Paramount Plus. So, all right. Well, you Keep guys on. heard it here. You guys heard it here. Check out Perry's work. It's good entertainment. It's good, fun stuff. I know I'm going to check it out. Hell yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. My name is Ralph.
2: I'm Cody. Take care of each other. i Perry. Be later. good humans. Perry, thank you so much. I just talked over you. I am sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my bad habit. <laughs> Take care of each other. Be good humans. Okay. Always fucking forward. Until next time. Peace, Peace out, guys.